Welcome to If I Rule the World. I'm Gillian Burke, and welcome to my podcast. This is the very first episode of my podcast series, and it's giving you a little flavor of what it's all about, what's coming up, why I'm doing it. Okay, if I rule the world. Well, first up, it's a great track. A little nod to the 90s girl that I am. I've always loved the song, and I figured maybe this is a playful way to explore some big ideas around the concept of system change without actually having to say system change because I like the words, but what do they actually mean? I mean, I love the idea of it. I love the sound of it. It suggests we're not tinkering around at the edges of a problem, but we're actually going to the heart of it, rooting it out, digging out all that rot good and proper. Sounds good, right? But what does it actually look like? So I figured, why didn't I go and ask people? experts, change makers, activists, entrepreneurs, as many different people as possible from as many different backgrounds and sectors from science, business, charities, education, environment, town planning, aviation, risk management, that's actually a thing I want to talk about, um, architecture, whatever, and ask, if you rule the world, what would you do? So I started thinking about this a few years back during the dark days of the lockdowns, the COVID lockdowns, when I used to find myself revving up for some long ranty monologue, which I almost always started with, if I rule the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, this is all in the comfort and safety of my home with my kids as my captive audience. The kids are now 17 and 15 and frankly, way too big for me to pin down. So I need a new audience. <laughs> Thank you for coming. So you'll be relieved to know I have up-leveled this concept for the podcast where we won't just be hearing from me. You'll be hearing from folks who are basically way more qualified to talk about system change. And I know I said this is a podcast about system change without actually saying system change. So let's see if I can rephrase that. We're going to be talking to folks who are way more qualified to talk about what I think of as the invisible, sticky, sprawling barriers to positive change in the world. How's that? Okay, it's going to be really hard work doing a podcast about system change without saying it. But I'm going to stick with it. Wish me luck. So despite the megalomaniacal sounding title, it's a bit of a mouthful, of this podcast, this is all about how to make the world a better place, which I know sounds really freaking worthy, but here's the thing. I've yet to meet someone, anyone, who thinks like right now, you know what? The world's pretty awesome and nothing needs to change. No matter who you are, no matter whether you're left or right, up, down, whatever the politics, I'm willing to stick my neck out and say, I think this is one thing we can all agree on. Things could be better. So, yeah, there's a sense that there's a job to do. A big buck-off job to do, actually. And here's the heads up. It's going to be sweary in places. Right now, partly, I'm trying to signal to myself, actually, to give myself a little bit of permission to let go a little, loosen up a little, because, frankly, this is me. This is why I do. I am a bit sweary. 
But I'm, I've become used to presenting on BBC, on live TV, on pre-Watershed. So for the non-UK listeners, that's family viewing hours. I present on a live wildlife magazine show. So my internal filters, my internal sensors are really well trained and the guardrails are coming down. Because it's not just about being able to say fuck a few times. Actually, what I want to be able to do is to get stuck into topics, into ideas, conversations that I don't get to explore in my day job. Topics like how a law to criminalize ecocide. This is the wanton and knowing mass destruction of the natural living world. Mysteriously, and I do those little air quotes, mysteriously disappeared while international laws around other really serious things like genocide, crimes against humanity, were being drafted. Where did it go? Why did the ecocide law not make the cut? Can you imagine how different the world would look today if ecocide was already a crime? So I'm going to be talking to Jojo Mehta. She's the director of Stop Ecocide International. She's going to be my first guest like, yeah, talk about changing a system from within by tackling the law. We're going to be talking about that and loads more as well. So just one of many conversations coming up on the podcast. I'm going to be talking to scientists, to farmers, entrepreneurs, writers, demographers, educators, artists, waste collectors, doctors. These are the people I call the students, the masters, and the practitioners of system change, of making the world a better place. Okay, I'm already giving up with this idea of not using the word system change. And here's another thing. There's 8 billion of us, 8 billion people on the planet. So in my mind, that means that 8 billion different versions of what making the world a better place actually looks like. So strap in, it's going to be a very long podcast series. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is the conversation could go in an almost inexhaustible number of directions. You know, geopolitics, farming, healthcare, spirituality, and beyond. So I obviously want to hear about how people change systems, but I want to know why, what gets them started, what keeps them going, the nuts and bolts of what they do, how they do it, the highs, the lows, the despair, the hope, the mindset. What kind of person looks at a seemingly immutable stubborn ass, stinking, rotten to the core problem or challenge and things to themselves. I'm going to change that. What kind of person does that? So in the midst of all of that, I'm not going to lie, we are going to have to look at some serious stuff because it seems to me in order to make the world a better place, we're going to make the world a better place. We've got to be willing to look at all that big, bad, scary stuff straight in the eye. And this big, bad, scary stuff is what connects our human world with the natural world. It is what this crazy post-pandemic world that we now find ourselves is all about, from the wars and the geopolitical jostling for position, inflation, rising food and energy prices, you know, global supply chains, widening inequality, which I'm told is happening alongside the largest wealth transfer in history. That's pretty crazy. And then, <laughs> then there's the supercharging of the digital revolution as AI and artificial intelligence takes us into uncharted and largely unregulated territory. And this is even before we start talking about climate 
and the nature crisis and extinction and biodiversity loss and pollution and it's a lot. So there will be moments of lightness. I mean, what could be more fun than entertaining dreams and aspirations of world domination? So my backstory, briefly, is I'm a Kenyan Creole, I think is probably the easiest way to describe myself. I'm like a really mixed, multiple ethnic background, born in Kenya though. And I was born in the 1970s. I consider myself really lucky to be born in an era before, at least we back in Kenya, had daytime telly, certainly no internet, no social media, no devices. And if I wasn't in school, I was outside playing. So I grew up on the outskirts of Nairobi on the edge of a coffee plantation. And outdoors for me was a messy tangle of wild nature and people getting on with the business of living. So the boundary between the natural world and the human world was blurred. At least it was for me. So I'm going to fast forward through a whole bunch of life stuff to get to the point where I'm sitting here talking to you. I'm a biologist, or at least that's what I did as my degree. I took that degree and I went into the natural history filmmaking, wildlife filmmaking industry. And I've been working in wildlife filmmaking for the best part of two decades. Most of it actually behind the camera. I started off as a film researcher and worked my way up to producer director. And then in 2017, I crossed over to being in front of the camera. I started presenting on BBC Springwatch. But actually for me, this, the idea for this podcast began a few years before that. Those years were a real game changer for me. I was a stay-at-home mom at that point. My kids were really little then. And that hiatus, or at least professional hiatus, I didn't realize it was going to do this to me, but it gave me the chance to take a step back. It gave me a chance to pause for thought. And I looked around and I started to question an idea that I had when I started my career that I had bought into hook, line, and sinker. It's a story that we, so my industry peers, that we all told ourselves, I still hear it today. And the story goes like this. If we show people the beauty, the wonder, the rawness of nature, then people will fall in love with it. And when people love it, they'll care about it. And when they care about it, they'll do something to protect it. By 2017, I had to ask myself, is that true? Especially when, in 2017, a paper was published in a journal called Bioscience. Now, they really weren't freaking around with this title when they called it World Scientists Warning to Humanity, A Second Notice. So this paper was the second notice. The first notice was given 25 years earlier in 1992. In 92, I was 18 years old. I was merrily skipping along into my biology lectures at Bristol University. You know, for me, the way I saw it, by this point, the Cold War had recently ended. Apartheid in South Africa had ended. You know, world leaders had gotten their shit together and banned CFCs, and no one seemed to be worrying about the hole in the atmosphere anymore. There's still work to do, don't get me wrong, but at least for me, I felt like I could have sworn at that point in time, humanity was moving towards a good place. Anyway, <laughs> 25 years on, and I've been beavering away making wildlife films, pun intended. The warning letter to humanity points out that Yes, there have been wins, some fragile wins, but there is a whole lot more, a whole bunch of 
environmental and societal indicators that have not just gotten worse, they've gotten a lot worse, exponentially worse. The filmmaking, the awareness, the research, the scientific literature, the campaigning, the NGOs, the volunteers, the policymaking, the goodwill. Why does it still feel like we're pissing in the wind? So I don't think it's enough. I don't, I, it's no longer enough to talk about nature without talking about people. It never has been. And in this podcast, I really want to get into that messy area, the in-between spaces between the natural world and the human world, between energy and food, population and education, transport and trade, medicine and politics, environment and society, supply chains and food security, data harvesting and civil liberties, poaching and livelihoods, Religion and race, north and south, east and west, rich and poor, people and planet. And to do all that, I need help. Enter Triodos Bank UK. My bank. I know it sounds like I basically just went to my bank and hit them up for some money, but there's a little bit more to it than that. I've been dreaming up this podcast for many years, and there have been many obstacles, but one of the obstacles I created for myself was the challenge of making a podcast about system change, yeah, I know, without, well, selling out to the system. So the thought process was this, how do I find a sponsor for this podcast when the last thing I want to do is be talking about positive change in the world, making the world a better place, and then have to wedge into the conversation a shout out to sponsors to try and sell my listeners stuff that they really don't need. So, yeah, the relationship started slow. In 2020, Triodos asked me to host their annual meeting, which is their version of an AGM. I guess I did a good job. They asked me back. One meeting became three. And over the years, a relationship slowly started to build. And I'm actually really proud to say this. Theirs is still the only corporate gig I do because eventually the stars, or more importantly, values aligned. So Triodos is a leading, sustainable, and ethical bank with a really simple mission, to make money work for positive change. So if you look them up, you'll see they've got this three-armed logo, which represent, the first arm is profit, they're a bank after all, but the other two represent people and planet. So when Triodos first got going, the idea that a bank could exist for positive change, and not just for profit, had the rest of the banking system thinking it was all a little bit crackers, as one of the senior management put it. But nevertheless, Triodos has been blazing this trail for 40 years with the wording, the actual wording in their Articles of Association, centering a healthy planet and, this is the bit I really love, human dignity as their core values. So, Triodos is a recognized which eco-provider, as well as being named Best Ethical Financial Provider at the British Bank Awards. All this because Triodos does not lend or invest in fossil fuel projects. They focus instead on renewables. And frankly, this is what's really important to me. They focus on nature regeneration and community-led projects. Over the past few years, I've gotten to know some of the people behind the bank. And I can tell you it's really amazing. These people really believe in what they're doing. But they're also always really quick to remind me that, yes, Triodos exists to be a force for good, but its first job is to be a safe and secure bank for its customers. And that's what they do. I know, because I bank with them. So yeah, I honestly, 
could not be prouder to have Triodos as sponsors for my podcast. And it's not just about the money, but more than that, they've been real champions, real cheerleaders, real believers in this podcast. So, on that note, I cannot wait to get started on this journey. I can't wait for you to hear my first gorgeous, heartfelt, energizing conversation with Jojo Meta, director of Stop Ecoside International, where we talk about ecocide law, loss and friendship, and how just a few words that can fit on the back of a business card hold the key to making the world a better place. So if you like the sound of If I Rule the World, follow the podcast. If there's someone you know who you think will enjoy this podcast series, enjoy these sorts of conversations, tell them about it. Share the link, spread the word. If I Rule the World is for anyone who has an appetite for nuance, a thirst for knowledge, and a hunger for positive change. (laughs) 